This message entitled, The Mission of the Twelve, was delivered to Christ Our Rock Bible Church on February 18th, 2024, by the Reverend Roy D. Warren, Jr. The scripture was Matthew 10. On their way home from attending an Ash Wednesday service, little Johnny asked his mother, Is it true, Mommy, that we are made of dust like the minister said tonight? And his mother answered, Yes, darling. And is it true? Because, you know, when talking about Adam and how he was formed out of the clay of the earth, that's what it's, ta- it's talking about, okay? But then then says, but and is it true that we go back to dust again when we die? And, you know, in the scripture it says dust to dust, ashes to ashes, okay? Yes, dear, his mother replied, our bodies return to dust. Well, Mommy, when I said my prayers last night, kneeling beside my bed, I looked under the bed, and I saw someone who was either coming or going. (laughs) He wasn't quite sure which, but coming or going. All right. Um, So the question then becomes for all of us, really, uh, what are we doing? Are we coming or are we going? And I want to suggest to you, I think it's both at the same time, because when you go somewhere, you're coming to somewhere, okay? When you're coming to some place, then you've gone from the other place. So both happen, okay? Coming into the first step towards the cross. And that's what the, that's what the whole picture of the season of Lent pictures, because it begins with Ash Wednesday, and then the first Sunday of Lent, the second Sunday of Lent, third Sunday of Lent, etc. So it, it provides a, a journey a, a place to go from point A to point B, okay? So coming in the first step towards the cross, but going in the sense of leaving the place of beginning and heading to a destination, okay? So both are happening really at the same time. So when he looks under his bed and she told that, you know, dust to dust, ashes to ashes, you know, someone's either coming or going. They're doing both. Now, not under his bed. I'm not talking about that, okay? But it's really both. It's really both. Remember what we're doing. We are uh, in the season of Epiphany, and we're, and we're continuing with this through the season of Lent. We're digging into the life of Jesus. We're digging into the, into the uh, ministry of Jesus to see things in their reality. We want to who is this guy? He says this, he says that, he does this, he does that. Who is he? Okay? We need to see him very, very clearly. Now, the fact is, I think you can pretty much go through the, uh, all the different things of Jesus, and it will show him to be divine. It will show him to be God. Now, you may prefer to call him the Son of God or whatever, but that's still God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons in the Trinity. He's the second one. So he's still God. So let's not try to pick that apart or argue it or whatever. You know, when I, this happened one time years ago when I was still in seminary. There was a seminarian who was uh, heading towards uh, ordination. He's in New Jersey, I believe. I don't know what's going on with him now. But it was a big, big story back at the time. He refused to call Jesus God. Refused to call him God. Okay? Fact is, he is. Okay? Now, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's God. The Father is also God. The Holy Spirit is also God. Okay? Not three separate gods. Okay, but three different ways that God has chosen to express himself uh, throughout life. Okay, so as we go through the life and ministry of Jesus, we see the reality of who he says he is. And we see very clearly who he says he is. And that's why I want to make up that chart. So we have each story up at the top, like I told you earlier. We'll have each story up at the top, and then below each story will be what he said about himself. I don't mean, you know, you know, five, six verses. No, I mean just three or four words to say who he is. From that story, from that story, then we will be seeing very clearly 
uh, who he is. And that's the whole idea before we get to Lent, or before we get to uh, Easter itself, see? Because if you don't really have that down settled in your heart and settled in your spirit, then Easter's not going to be much more than a bunch of chocolate eggs and bunnies and, you know, Easter grass and things like that. He is God. And we saw that last week as well. But this week I want to move into chapter 10. Now let me show you how we did see it last week very quickly. So remember the healing of the paralytic, the person who was, you know, his sins were forgiven. And, and then Jesus asked, well, what's easier to say? Is it easier to say his sins are forgiven or to say arise and walk? And then he turned to the guy and said, arise and walk. Pick up your bed, take it home with you, which is exactly what he does. His point is only God can do this. Only God can forgive sin and take it away like he's talking about doing at the cross. And only God can, um, uh, you know, can heal, truly heal, okay? In fact, any doctor that gets credited with, oh, he healed my son or he healed my daughter or he healed, you know, grandfather or whatever, God did it. Use the doctor, use the medicine, use the surgery, okay? But it's still God who gave the healing, all right? So what Jesus is saying is, I'm God either way, whether you like it or not, all right? I, I you know, I said his sins are forgiven, and now we're dealing with the cause of the sin, or the cause of the disease, actually, because that's, what's, that's what happens when sin came into the world or what didn't used to be disease or didn't used to be dying, you know, when Adam and Eve were in the garden of Eden and, and then sin came in or temptation came in and, and they went along with it. And, uh, and then there's suffering and death after that. Anyway, uh, so that's what you see in chapter nine. Now over to chapter 10. Okay. And let's take it in sections. Okay. So I'm going to go uh, 1 to 16, all right? 1 to 16. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples and gave them power. There we go, power. And didn't we see that back in verse, or in chapter 9? Power, right? We saw that. Power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease now, the names of the 12 apostles are these. First of all, there's Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the publican, or tax collector, uh, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labaius, whose name was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, now watch, watch as we go through this over the, all these next three or four sections of scripture because in this he makes it clear. He makes, he manifests himself. Isn't that what we said Epiphany was all about? To manifest Jesus so that we get it real settled in our minds and in our hearts who he is. Then when we get to Easter, we're going to be ready to hear about death and resurrection. I should probably, maybe I'll do this by next week. Maybe I'll go ahead and dig out two or three scriptures that show you that there were people who didn't get it. And they were told that, they were told that when Jesus not only suffers and dies, but when he rises from the dead, which they needed to be able to see, which they rise from the dead, that is where they'll see the risen Lord. And they won't get it other than that. They won't understand it. Okay? The Bible even says that. Okay? So, anyway, here's, here's what Jesus has to say now. Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. Now, why that? Why, why not that? Well, you know from elsewhere, we've seen it before, we'll say it again, that Jesus said, Jews first, Gentiles second. The idea was, we'll go to the Jews, and it would turn out that, as it would turn out, that there's a lot of Jews that didn't want them, and they turned their back on them, and they 
you know, went the other way, etc. And that's when uh, God made it clear, I want you to go to the Gentiles. See, he always had in mind everybody. We know that from the chapter of John 3, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that means anybody. Here he says, don't go to the Gentiles. Why? Because I want you to go to the Jews first. They're, 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 they're set up to know who I am. They've been looking for a Messiah. They've been, you know, but as it turns out, many did not want it, okay? And uh, did not believe it when it came to the resurrection itself. So he says, don't go to the Gentiles. Basically, maybe it would be clearer if you thought of it in this sense. Don't go to the Gentiles yet, okay? But that's, he just says, don't go. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you remember that's how Jesus started his preaching? He made it clear that the kingdom of God was coming up. He was going to be king of kings and lord of lords. All right? So now in verse 8, he says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. I know we generally use that scripture to talk about the offering, okay? Which, remember, we haven't taken that up yet. We'll have to do that yet, okay? Freely you have received, freely give. No, it's, it's talking about that you, you freely submitted yourself to me. You've become my disciples. You are following me. Now I'm telling you what to be about. Now give, freely give. Give your energies, give your time, and do what I say, Okay? Freely you have received, freely give. Okay? Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. In other words, it's doing just the opposite of what everybody tells you to do today. Be prepared. Be prepared. Make sure you got enough on you. Make sure you got enough money or whatever. You know, I went to go get my taxes prepared the other day. And I was all set to get them done and pay for them and everything else, you know. And uh, But I uh, pulled up in front of the place, got a parking spot, and the, the meter only takes a quarter. I had just cleared all my change out, just brought it all back inside and, and rolled it. And you know, I didn't have any change. Didn't have any change on me, okay. Didn't have any change in the car. So I go on in and I had to borrow a quarter from the lady at the desk. And I went out and put that in there and so forth. And then when I went back this past week to pick up my taxes, I gave her the quarter. <laughs> I'm sure she was thrilled. But anyway, uh, you know, make sure, normally what we say to each other is make sure you have enough. Make sure you have everything you're going to need. But Jesus says, no, I want you to rely on me. I want you to see how things can come to you miraculously. So he says, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor scrip for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, okay? For the workman is worthy of his meat. And what he's saying is, you're going to be serving me. You're going to be doing what I call you to do. And you should be, you know, because you're doing my work, you are worthy Okay, you are worthy of what somebody would pay you for that. Okay, or perhaps maybe not pay, but give you. Okay, worthy. And in into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire uh, who in it is worthy. Same word is being used here. Now here's what the word means, and this is crucial. This is probably the most most needed to know definition in the whole story, okay? Worthy. It means to be sincere, okay? It means to be uncompounded, uncompounded. In other words, you don't have to provide all the armor that you think you need to get through this situation. You're not going to have this layer of armor and this layer of armor and this, you know, layer of protection and this, you know, uh, 
uh, further protection, okay? That you, you, sincere means to be letting Jesus take care of things, okay? And what he's saying is, you, you know, you don't have to, and he's just trying to make it clear, listen, you're not on your own, okay? You, you come into this thing without all the layers of armor, and I will take care of you. I will get you through, okay? Um, praise the Lord. Clear without duplicate. Uh, that's what the, the word actually means. Worthy means clear without duplicate. It means sincere. It means uncompounded. It means uh, bountifully provided for. Okay? So, in other words, he doesn't want you to get the idea that you somehow made it possible to all happen because, well, I got all this and I got that and I got all my armor on and, and I'm all set. Nobody can touch me and so forth and so on. No, he wants you to be worthy uncompounded. You don't have layer after layer after layer over you to protect you from the ways of the world, okay? You just be sincere and let Jesus lead and guide. It's kind of like I told you, and I think that's coming up here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's coming up, so I'll let it go. But there's something that happened to me when I was in seminary that relates to a scripture that's coming up. But we'll get there. Anyway, uh, be worthy. And when ye come into a house, salute it, means greet it. Greet the people that are in there. And if the house be worthy, same word, okay? The people in that house, they're not all coming to the door with armors to protect them from you, you know. No, 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 no. You just, you know, you greet each other, you come together, okay? And uh, let Jesus into the middle of it. Let your peace come upon it, and if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you, okay? If it's not worthy, if that's all it is, is, you know, all this, I just picture this idea of armor on top of each other, you know, that you can hardly move, but boy, nobody can get at you because you've got your protection. That's not what Jesus wants. Jesus wants his protection to be seen. Okay, let your peace return to you, okay, if, if it's not in a good place there. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Okay, uh, verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. All right. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Wise means to think. Okay? To be able to understand. Wise means to possess that spirit of Christ. That is, well, as we saw it earlier, we saw it last week when we said, the wise man built his house on the rock. If it had been on the sand, the rains would have come and the winds would have blown and washed away. But no, it's on the rock. He was wise. He did it God's way. Praise the Lord. All right? Um, it's honorable and pure, harmless, it says here, as doves. Simple. See? Same thing as worthy. Simple. You don't need layer after layer after layer to stop anybody from getting through, all right? But beware of men, for they, uh, well, wait a minute, that's as far as I want to go right now anyway, verse 16, okay? And that's the mission of the 12. Now, my, in my Bible, before chapter 10, that's what it calls it, the mission of the 12, okay? And that goes from 1 to 16, and that's what this, that, this is the mission of the initial 12 disciples, his first followers. And then, of course, the church follows after that and takes their cue from these, from what Jesus has said about the disciples. As I said, the word disciple means pupil or student, and so we're called to be pupils and student as the disciples were. And Jesus is the one 
who teaches. Okay? Pastor uh, <clears throat> Young uh, down in Kentucky uh, said that, uh, and, he, and I, I think he probably got this from A.W. Tozer because I've heard Tozer say it too. Um, you can have as much of God as you really want. And Tozer may not have been the only person to ever say that. So it can be, he might have got it from somebody else. I don't know. But it's true. You can have as much of God as you want. And if you only have a little bit of God, it's because that's really all you wanted. You didn't go any further. You know, this far, no further. You know, or if you have a whole, bu whole bunch of God and a whole bunch of the Holy Spirit and so forth, then that's because that's what you wanted. All right? You decide the level at which you will pursue the things of God. We are not saved just to be safe from hell. That's where a lot of people are today. I'm telling you, if that's what it is. It's just a matter of going to heaven and not going to hell. That's, that's what a lot of people are looking at. And that's not what salvation is for. God wants us to live for Jesus Christ now. Not just in heaven. Not just after we die. But now, in this place, in this world, so that everybody else can see who this Jesus is. We're not saved just to be safe from hell. We are saved or salvage, as the word actually means, to come into a right relationship with God and claim his full blessing and his promises. There are a lot of people today who live the Christian life kind of like an old iron bed. <laughs> What's he talking about? Well, you got your headboard, and it's made out of metal. It's iron, okay? And it's strong and, and totally formidable, okay? Then you got your footboard down at the other end. Same thing, strong, okay? You are, and, and it's firm at both ends, but this old bedstead is saggy in the middle. They're saved. They're assured of heaven, but their life is, is between, in between, on the bed itself, is floppy, is mediocre, barely able to really provide any support. They follow God only so far, and then they say, that's as far as I want to go, far enough. Uh, a lot of people doing this today, and that's not what God is calling for, all right? It amazes me, and this is Pastor Young once again. He, he's, it amazes him that not all of the tribes of Israel wanted to dwell in the promised land. Remember that story? I'll just tell you about it. We don't have to read it. The tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they actually opted to live east of the Jordan River. I, it's hard to believe, but they were told now, you know, you need to cross over, you need to be with us, and we are going to... You know, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight. But then after when we're all done and we've captured the land, then you can go back over the river if that's what you really wanted to do. And that's what they wanted to do. Now, why would you want to go back over? The tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they actually opted to live east of the Jordan River. They crossed over, they saw the land, they fought for the land, and then they recrossed the Jordan and settled on the near side. And you might react to that and say, oh, how foolish. But not any more foolish than some of us who have experienced the power and the blessing of God and then retreated to a safer spot in order to live a quieter life. And we think we're all going to be fine. And that's not what God says. You see, he doesn't want the headboard being good and the footboard being good, and then you, you know, you slouch down to the ground because there's no, no support in the middle. I know of no greater tragedy for the Christian than to live a life on the basis of that which is second best. A lot of people think second best is okay, third best is okay, even fourth or fifth best is okay. Why not the best? Because I'll tell you, I think a lot of people are scared to let Jesus have control, to let him. I mean, come on now. It's already clear from the scripture that he is king of kings and lord of lords. He knows what he's doing. He can handle your life and he can handle everybody in this world all at the same time. 
There's no need to be fearful of any of that. You can trust him. These two and a half tribes are not made up of necessarily bad people, but they did choose to be disobedient. They were called to go to the other side. They were all called to go to the other side, but they were going to let them go ahead and do that. But you got to fight for it. You still got, if you, that's what you're scared about is fighting, you still got to come and fight for the land, and you can go back if you want. But that's not, that's not what God's plan was. They decided, well, I'm going to go this far, and I'm not going to go any further. This is the highest level to God that I am willing to make. I'm not going to go any further. I'm, I'm not going to grow. I don't want to. I'm, I'm not going all the way with him. You know, God looks at those who say far enough and, and then he says to them back again, he says, come up higher. Come up higher. You're willing to go that far? Come on up here. I'll show you that I can handle it, that I can take care of everything. Now, that doesn't mean everything goes exactly the way you want it to go. No, life never does that. Anybody here ever have a life that, you know, it's exactly what you expected and exactly what you want and there's nothing else went haywire or sideways or anything else no there's nobody in this world nobody in this world I mean even Jesus who is the perfect son of God sinless in every way had all kinds of persecution had all kinds of people coming against him all right come up higher but when we do We see that perhaps some pleasures have to be foregone. They grow faint. They lose heart. They're foregoing the full victory and the blessing and the peace that the Father has set aside for his children. A.W. Tozer, he put it this way. It's coming. Oh, come on. Here we go. All right. A.W. It just went away again. There it is. A.W. Tozer once wrote, we must have the courage to preach the whole message. By so doing, we shall undoubtedly lose a few friends and make a number of enemies. But the true Christian will not grieve too much about that. He has enough to do to please his Lord and Savior and to be true to the souls of all men. That may well occupy him too completely to leave much time for regrets over the displeasure of misguided men. We can seek God today and get prepared to meet temptation tomorrow. But if we meet the enemy without first having met God, the outcome is not, con is not conjectural. The issue is already decided. We can only lose. We can only lose. If that's the direction we take, if that's what we think is more important, okay, it's a matter of going all the way. Praise the Lord. I mean, that's what everybody else is saying in here, and that's what Tozer is saying too. So watch out. Insist on your own way and your own ideas, and guess what? Down you all go. But we're not done. Look at chapter 10, but let's look at verse 17 and following, okay? And beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you, in their synagogues, and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. And I told you before, I'm always reminded of this story when it comes to this particular scripture because this came to mind many, many years ago when I was in seminary. And I can't remember whether, um, it, you know, whether Joel was born yet. Uh, I know Carol was. 
So I left Cindy and, and the kids or Kara or whoever was around at the time. I don't have the date marked down. I don't know. Anyway, I left them home and I said, I'll just, I'll just, I got to run up to Lake Erie. I got to run up to Erie Presbytery and we're going to meet in such and such a church. And I'm scheduled to come, what they called come, un, come under care, to come under care of the Presbytery. See, I was a member of the Emlinton Presbyterian Church, obviously up in Emlinton, okay? And because of that, that's in Lake Erie Presbytery. So you go up to the Presbytery that you're from, okay? And you come before the whole Presbytery, and they can ask you whatever they want. And I didn't know if this was going to go on for an hour or two or five minutes. I didn't know, okay? And I was concerned about it. I was. I wondered if they would find things to, you know, do you think this? Do you think that? Do you believe something else or whatever? And go, you know, go haywire with this stuff. And, you know, I'm just now, all I'm doing is just letting them know who I am and that I'm from Emlinton Presbyterian Church and I'm asking to become under to come under care. Now, what that meant is that the presbytery has some responsibility for you coming through the seminary experience. Uh, this was early on in seminary, and you know they helped me financially, actually. So very thankful for that. Uh, and uh, you know, sent letters back and forth, and you know, and uh, Daryl came, Daryl Knopp, who was pastor at the time there he uh, came and uh, visited once or twice um, you know at the seminary there and uh, you know so there's a lot of things that were involved in this coming under care and I was still concerned though because I you know when you don't know what's going to happen and you you know you feel like going up there with all these plates of armor around you you know I got this and I got this and I got this and I got something you're never going to get to me you know no that's not the case I went up there, and as I'm driving, and I'm driving along 79 and heading north, and I ran, uh, in my mind, I ran across this scripture. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. In other words, what God was saying is, don't worry about it. Don't try to figure it all out. Don't come up with a, you know, point A, point B, you know, Subpoint A or one, you know, two, three, four, you know, don't try to, you know, set up your own little um, uh, paper, really, to give them, uh, you know, in the process. So I didn't write anything down. Of course, I'm driving, so you're not supposed to be writing at the same time. But I just ran across the scripture in my mind, and I thought, okay, God, this is yours. This is yours. I just let you go ahead and do what you, you know, are going to do with this thing. And, uh, and, and that, I still remember that, still remember that. So I get up there, and they ask me, oh, they probably didn't ask me more than three or four questions, okay? And it might have been one or two more than that, I don't remember. Do I remember what any of them were? No, not one, all right? And that's not even really the point, okay? What were the questions? Well, the fact is, it was just the peace that Jesus gives from his word, from his word, okay? Don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't try to prove this or that or anything else. It's going to be given you the very same hour, what you shall speak. And I did. I answered the questions. I didn't go, well, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you know, you know, no, I wouldn't have an answer. They wanted to know where I was and how I, you know, theologically and, you know, so forth. It's a wonder you get through because you're talking to a bunch of liberal people. <laughs> and, you know, but, you know, God had his hand on this thing. And I think of that every time I come to this scripture. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. Amen? You let God do that, and that's exactly what happens. It's the spirit of the Father, okay? And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father, the child, and the, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men 
for, all, for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of, Jer- of Israel uh, till the Son of Man, there he is again, the Son of Man, that's who he is, become. The disciple is not above his master, okay? Nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? See, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. You mean this thing called Christianity isn't, about, uh, isn't totally about prosperity? You mean this thing called Christianity isn't about just, you know, fun and activities and, and games? Yes, the true disciple is going, to, is going to be involved in some suffering along the way. Whatever God allows to have happen. Some will be offended, but not the true disciple. He is not above his master. If Jesus went through it, so will his followers. It's not a condemnation. It's not something that shows you to be wrong. It's people persecuting the true faith. Okay? So don't be fearful. You are following God in the flesh. I mean, God is in the flesh in Jesus, and we are following God in the flesh. We, in the flesh, are following God. Same thing. See? Talking about Jesus being God in the flesh. Here our flesh is following that God. All right? And he brings us through. Look at verse 26. Okay? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed. See, this is all red letter. This is all Jesus. Who are these disciples supposed to be? They're supposed to be like Jesus. Okay? And... and, What I tell you in darkness, he says in verse 27, that speak ye in light, you're supposed to, you know, so I tell it to you while there's darkness around, but you speak it in the light. What ye hear in the ear, that ye preach upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Uh, But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And, and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father? But the, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Praise the Lord. Let me go a little bit further. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess ye before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. See, you go the way of Jesus, and God is there to protect you. You don't need the armor over armor over armor, okay? Jesus is saying, I'll take care of it. And will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me, now you deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against his mother, and the, and the, or her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. You know? So don't worry about it. If there's somebody who doesn't like you, maybe it's in your family or whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You make sure you're following Jesus. Okay? I mean, look at it. It says, I came to set people at variance with others in the family. Okay? In other words, I I want everybody to love me fully. But if you're not going to, there's going to be a variance. Okay? There's going to be a variance. Listen. 
Well, let me finish the next verse. And man's foes, I already said this, I think, shall be they of his own household. The disciples work for Christ and their, and their battle against Satan will expose them to Satan's counterattack, yet they do not need to be afraid because the Holy Spirit and the Father will sustain them. They must remain faithful to the word of Christ, preaching openly, frankly, and courageously. And if that's what we're up to, you don't need all the layers of armor. Okay? I know Ephesians talks about the armor, but it's not talking about your own armor. It's talking about the armor of God. All right? So it's not you coming up with your various layers that are going to stop the arrowheads or the darts or the AK-47s or whatever. All right? Praise the Lord. Jesus teaches that God's faithful children are of great worth to their heavenly father. Okay? God values you and your uh, personal needs. I'm, talk I'm not talking self-esteem here. I'm not talking about it. God loves you. And your value is him in you. Your value is not just you. See, that's where the self-esteem message gets off base. He desires your love and fellowship so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. You're never away from his presence. You're never away from his care. You're never away from his concern. He knows all your needs, trials, and sorrows. You are so important to God that he treasures your faithfulness, your love, your loyalty to himself above all earthly things. Your unwavering faith in Christ proved genuine in the midst of the trials and the troubles. Praise the name of Jesus. Glory be to God. There is a cost to discipleship. You might as well know that right up front. Or otherwise, you're going to be very surprised when something doesn't go your way. And all who are worthy, worthy, simple... Okay, not bunch of layers of your own protection. Okay, you're going to know that from experience. Look at the next few verses. Look at 37. Okay, take it to the end of the uh, of the section here. And he that loveth father or mother more more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. And that worthy is the same word throughout. It's the same idea. It's that simple reliance upon the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. Okay? What was the actual, let me find it again. Yeah, here it is. Sincere. Sincere. Uncompounded. Okay, praise the Lord. Bountifully revealed. Okay, all right, back over to where we were. Um, and he that findeth his life shall lose it, verse 39. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. He that receiveth you receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And he that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones, one of these young Christians, it can also refer to children and people of a very young age, but it can also refer to a new Christian. Okay? One of these little ones, a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple. Verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward in no wise lose his reward. Jesus speaks of receiving a prophet and a righteous man, those who are the most frequently rejected, persecuted, because of their 
stand for godliness and their proclamation of the truth. For this reason, those who accept the prophet or the righteous man and receive his message will receive God's special reward. It should be noted that the righteous man is to be received in the name of a righteous man. In other words, he is received because he is a righteous man. This means that if your commitment to truth and righteousness is so firm, so firm, not saggy like the middle of that bed, but so firm that you devote your life to providing for, cooperating with, and encouraging God's leaders, God's ministers, God's helpers, God's people who are righteous, then your reward will be the same as those of the prophet and the righteous person that you that you help in the first place. And there it is. All the way all the way up to all the way at a, uh, up to the end of the chapter. The whole chapter, chapter 10. It's all it's just about all red letter except at the very beginning where it sets it up. Discipleship and the suffering involved, the worth of a disciple, and finally the cost of discipleship. And yet there is no better life for it than the life of Christ. I mean, the life of Christ is the life that we're talking about. Remember, God looks at those who say, far enough, but then he says to them, come higher. You might say to him, far enough. That's as far, far as I, I don't want to go any further, but he says, come on up higher. Come on. And when you do so, praise God, you, might, you, you, you may experience some growing faint and losing heart and foregoing the full victory. I mean, some of that can tempt you away from being committed and, and given to the life of Jesus. But praise God, the, the victory and the blessing and the peace of the Father God has set aside for his true children. So the question then becomes, do we want to be these followers? Do we want to follow the mission? Do we want to be in the mission with the 12? Okay? With the, with the initial disciples? Okay? Do we want to enter into the mission of the 12? That is really the question. Do you, do you see how clearly Jesus has given this in all this red letter chapter? I mean, the, practically the whole thing is all red letter. It's coming from the heart of God, coming through his own son, Jesus. Praise God. Do you see how clear it is? I don't think it could be any clearer. If you want your spiritual life as clear as mud then you'll have to go the other way. You'll have to go the way of the world. You'll have to go the opposite of what Jesus is talking about. Now the problem is, when you go that other way, what a lot of people end up doing is thinking they're on target, thinking they're right. And the fact is, according to this, they're not. That's how merciful God is. He's not going to lie to you. He lays it out. It's all here. Red letter edition. Praise God. This is what Jesus said. And he's just calling us to submit to it. You don't have to do it yourself, is what I'm saying. I'm trying to be real clear about this. You don't have to gather up all the, oh, you know, I got this layer and that layer and this layer. Nobody can get through to me. Because, you know, I got this and I got... No, 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 no. There's, there's a sincerity. There's a simplicity that comes with Jesus. You, you just say, Lord, I need your spirit. I need you. It's kind of like I said in the car going up to Lake Erie. You know, God, I don't want to try to come up with my own responses and my own speech. Okay? I know the Bible says you'll give what's needed at the time. And praise God. I know he did. I mean, I know he did. Why else would I remember it? So clearly, you know? 
If I went up there and fought with everybody and said, well, you're wrong and you're, you know, all this stuff. No, it's just what Jesus says. This is the heart of God. Amen? And uh, yeah, I mean, if there's a bunch of, uh, you know, liberal theology and people and up there, they're going to be different than, than me. But God made it clear. You just go ahead and give them me. You just go ahead and give them me. Same thing happened at the end of my ministry in the Presbyterian Church. When I went up before the Presbytery and once again had to answer some questions. And uh, I didn't go, you did this and you did that. See that guy over there? He did, you know. No, 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 no. I just gave him Jesus. I just gave him Jesus. And I think some of them, I mean, they had a look on their face like, I don't understand what's going on here. Well, you don't really have to. <laughs> you just have to know if you love the Lord and you let him come inside and let him rule the roost in that heart and in that spirit and in that mind, praise God, then God is the one who gets the glory. Amen? That's how clear it needs to be. And, uh, and is if you let it be. Amen. Father, I want to I just want to thank you, dear God, that this is your truth. I know it is. This chapter, you said it. You said, "Okay, here are the 12 disciples and here's what they're doing. Will you do this? Will you follow in the same vein? Will you follow in the same light?" And that's what Jesus is asking. That's what he's asking. You don't have to, you know, argue against their proof texts or anything else. You just go ahead and give them Jesus. Give them the truth. And then they have to figure out whether they're going to give up their false ideas and come into the true. And I want to thank you for that, dear God. I want to thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. We give you glory here today in this place because we know that you are love. You are, you are the glory of God and you come to fill us with yourself. We don't need the layers of, of uh, self-righteous armor. We, we need the truth. And, uh, and that you will give. That you will give and you do and you have and you will. And we want to thank you because we know that you are the one that gets the glory for it. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus.